America is underway here on ESPN Plus. Hercules Gomez and Sebi Salazar. Herc, how are you doing on this week where Raul Jimenez finds himself back among the goals? What a moment. What a moment. I'm doing extremely well. Not as good as Raul Jimenez. I bet that felt good. Yep, we will discuss Raul Jimenez's return, not just to the field, but now to the score sheet, the most important part of his game coming up throughout the show. Plenty, though, to discuss. Julie Foudy going to join us in just a little bit to discuss the National Women's Soccer League and a new campaign from the NWSL PA. No more side hustles. We'll dive in on that. We've also got Herc the top five worst foreign managers in MLS history, thanks to the dismissal of Yapstam earlier today with FC Cincinnati. Also, a look back on the Clásico Nacional, which did not, Herc, live up to uh, either the hype or our <sighs> predictions. No, Let's start with a segment that, honestly, you and I have been waiting to do on this show since we launched this show back on March 8th of 2020. Because in our little universe, one of the biggest stars has been missing, and that is Raul Jimenez. Now, he's been back on the field, sure, but he had struggled to break through with Wolves until this weekend. His first goal in Herc, 300 and 36 days since October of 2020. Of course, that a month before he suffered the horrific on-field accident playing against Arsenal, fracturing his skull in a scary collision with David Luiz. That was November of 2020. And here we are all these many months later, Jimenez back into the goals in the Premier League. And what a goal it was. The game winner in a 1-0 victory over Southampton. Let's hear from El Lobo Mexicano after the match. Yes, of course, I have been uh, looking for this goal since the start of the Premier League. Uh, and now I, I feel really, really good. It feels fantastic to be back in the score. After the recovery journey that you have been on, just how much does that mean? Yeah, it means a lot, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of uh, hard work during these nine months and well, almost, almost 11 months now. So I have keep working like this. I have to be focused on what I want. Was this the final piece of the puzzle for you in, in your recovery? Well, I think I wanted this and I I wanted to to finish the puzzle as you as you said, it's a good one. Uh, now I I'm gonna keep working to to continue with this. Wow, Herc, I don't know about you, but uh, goosebumps there, seeing what it means to Raul Jimenez, also what it meant to all the Wolves fans who have clearly been waiting for his big comeback moment. There we are then, 11 months removed from the horrific accident that, forget about his career, threatened to really derail his life. Can we now officially say that Raul Jimenez is fully back? Because i got to tell you, as a fan, when he peels off in that 61st minute in celebration, it sure felt like it. It did, right? I, he's back. Uh, I've never experienced a almost near-death experience on the field like Raul Jimenez. His wife, when they interviewed her for the Times, the New York Times, she was like, I thought he was dead. Uh, I never mm. expected him to play again. For him to work his way back almost 11 months from that horrific accident with David Luis and show poise, strength, ability, the vision. I mean, you saw the cutback in the box how calm he was, and then finish it off, and the emotion on his face. The celebration tells you everything. 
a weight lifted off his shoulders. I am more than convinced the goal is affirmation of his work. He mm. is more than back. He needed this goal, get the monkey off of his back and just say, you know what? I'm here, I'm back to my old self, and this is the most important thing here, Seb. Raul Jimenez is a goal scorer and that's great, but what Raul Jimenez does best, he creates opportunities. He's a playmaker from the ninth position and that's his best attribute. Look, if the question is, is Raul Jimenez is back, as great of a moment as this was, and, and the interview there you hear from the last question kind of suggests, are you back back? I think we have to say honestly, no. We'd be getting ahead of ourselves, right? He's, he's got to do this consistently, right? There's a streak to be put together before you say he's back. The other thing I think we're all still waiting on is that first real contested header in the box where he's fighting with another dude. That's how Raul Jimenez got a bunch of his goals before. When he does that, I will think for sure then that he's fully back. But all that said, Herc, what I think this goal does for me when I think of Raul Jimenez's return is before this, the question was if. Now it's no longer if he's going to get back to the same level where he was at before, or at least close to it, because that's all you can ask for. But when? And that for me is a huge difference to go from if to when. And this goal does that. And I think for a large part is because of the quality of the goal. He creates it himself. This isn't a simple that, tap That's in. what he does. He creates goals. When I say he's a playmaker from the ninth position, that's how I know he's back. That's what he best did. The goals, cherries on top. That's the mm. affirmation of the work. That's a prize. El premio for el trabajo. El premio for that work. But his playmaking ability from the nine, you saw the numbers, you see who's in front of him. That's how you know he is back. You don't play in the Premier League if they're trying to save you for something. You can't do what he's done in the Premier League if you're not fit enough to play. Now, the rest is mental. I know what you're saying about the headers, about him getting back to it, getting in the box, being fearless. That is fair. Because like with any injury, it's confidence. It's about how you feel going into that play, a play that puts you out for a while that says if you're really back or not. Now, Raul Jimenez, you saw on that play, you've been seeing lately in his play for Wolves and how important he is for Wolves. I think he's more than, more than likely shown us he's back. Hey, uh, so a big goal for Raul Jimenez on a personal level. Huge goal for Wolves, too. Just their second win of the season. I know it's early days, but it puts them out of the relegation zone, which is definitely the place you'd prefer to be compared to the relegation zone. They'd had a really, really slow start to the season. What does it mean, though, Herc, for the Mexican national team? Because we now know that Jimenez is not just back on the field. He's back in the goals, and we are sure to have a World Cup qualifying list in the coming days. So does this solve Mexico and by extension Tata Martino's problems? And I say problems really hurt like this because the real problems for Mexico are that without Raul Jimenez, without Chucky Lozano, without Diego Lainez, without Hector Herrera, they're still sitting first in CONCACAF. Yeah, what kind of problems do you have? You know, Tata Martino's problems aren't on the green rectangle. They aren't on the field. His problems are off the field. They need a group therapy session together. His problem is Tecatito Corona and Conceição. It's what he had going on. It's Acha Acha saying he didn't want to play the Gold Cup and then him Xing him out. It's Layun and Javier Hernandez and then they're out. Javier Hernandez still out. It's Carlos Salcedo and what happened at the last Gold Cup. Those are Tata Martino's problems, not mm. on the field. Now, can he solve a bunch of different things on the field for you? Absolutely. You don't play in the Premier League, and all of a sudden we're asking, can he do it in CONCACAF? No. Raul Jimenez is fit enough to play in the Premier League. He's fit enough to play for Mexico. And if you're Tata Martino, you do whatever you can to integrate him as fast as you can into this national team. I don't agree with you that Mexico's problems are not on the field. I think there are significant you other problems. You said it yourself. Where are they sitting? 
in this team. Well, but look, I mean, I don't think you have a guaranteed midfield. Your best midfield player, Hector Herrera, you don't even know if he's going to be starting week to week where he's playing uh, with Atletico Madrid in La Liga. What about center defense? We talk about that all the time. you got a bunch of guys with experience who are playing terribly, or you got a bunch of guys who are maybe playing okay but lack the experience. Those are huge on-the-field issues for Tata Martino. However, all those issues, as you rightly point out, do get covered up and covered up almost overwhelmingly if you have a guy who gets you goals, which Raul Jimenez now we can say safely we think he will get you goals if, Herc, if he's in the starting lineup. And that's really the question. Do you think Raul Jimenez steps right back into the starting job, a job that he held without doubt before this injury, but a job that we saw held for three straight games despite a lack of performance in the last World Cup qualifying cycle from Rogelio Funes Mori? Yes. Let's look at the options at nine. Funes Mori, Henry Martin, Pulido, Macias, none of these guys can do what Raul Jimenez can do. None of these guys have taken advantage of the opportunity of no Raul Jimenez in the picture. Your job for Tata Martino is you integrate Raul Jimenez as fast as humanly possible in World Cup qualifying. You pad the stats. You get his confidence up. You make him that player he was for you before the injury because if Mexico is going to do Anything of worth, anything of value, anything special in the next World Cup in Qatar, it's with Raul Jimenez. They can't do it without. So no one has claimed that job, and I think furthermore you have to say no one's playing at a higher level. No one else is starting in the Premier League in that position. So of course Raul Jimenez has to be considered, and I'd be surprised if he's not starting at least two, if not three, of those games. Herc, let's move from the Premier League then to La Liga, where Barcelona got a much, much needed win over the weekend. 3-0 against Levante, Memphis Depay, Luke de Jong. Remember, who was once linked to Club America and uh, Ansu Fati coming off a 10-month injury all on the score sheet. Serginho Dest involved as well. He started, plays 89 minutes. He plays as a left back what? in a back four, Herc, and he has a sick assist, as we're seeing right here, on the Luke de Jong goal. What a pass, huh? It's a great pass. It's great movement, a great pass. He, he's so... Deadly just cutting in it cutting in and the vision he has the touch on the ball It's Luke the John right there You said one time America target shows you where Barcelona is these days, but that's to no fault of Serginho Dest He threw everybody in the Twitter hemisphere For a loop when he's playing as a left back and succeeding as a left back you see the pass completions 92% over 92% almost touched the ball a hundred times three chances created an assist for my man One of the better games you will see from him in a Barcelona uniform and it's got all us asking a bunch of different questions of why can't we see more of this? Mm, interesting point. So I was looking at some of his player ratings. He's always right there right now in this game anyway. Look across whatever website you want. It's either 7 or an 8. ESPN.com, Sam Marsden gave him an 8 for this match. So obviously a, a good performance there. What this goes in counter of, Herc, is the idea that Sergio Des can really only play as a wingback. Are you taking this as, as proof? as evidence that, that that's wrong, that there's been an evolution here, and that now you can trust Serginho Dest moving forward in a back four. Specifically, I'm thinking with the national team. No, no, I still don't trust Serginho Dest. Listen, it, it's great. Serginho Dest, for me, his best position is on the right-hand side, left-hand side, in a three-center-back system where you can push him up as a wing-back, and he's attacking for you. He's creating for you. The final third is that bread and butter. Now, can he play in a back four, left or right side? Sure. 
If your team, if Greg Berhalter has a system where they're going to guarantee you 71% like Barcelona had against Levante, then you know right. you're going to keep the ball. He's going to have opportunities in the final third. He doesn't have to worry about being a liability defensively 1v1. Yes, trust him in that four-man back line if you know it's going to be one of those days with 71% possession. If that's the case, go for it. If it's not the case, you have to protect them. If it's not the case, it has to be a three-man back line, three center backs, and he needs to be protected in that space behind him, and he needs to provide and be a playmaker he can be for you in the midfield, in that final third, joining the attack, not being a defender out and out. Yeah, the question here is, do you trust him in a back four? But really is, do you trust him in a back four under pressure, the type of pressure we assume the U.S. men's national team will face in CONCACAF? You're right to mention, Barcelona had 70% possession in this game. He's not asked to defend, not in any meaningful, consistent way. That's totally different than what we saw from the U.S. over the last three World Cup qualifiers. That outside back, whoever it is, is going to be asked to defend. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's changing anytime soon, Herc. I don't think we're going to see the U.S. with 70% possession in any qualifier. No, I, I doubt that. And 70% possession in the current type of fields they play on, especially away from uh, what is at home for the U.S. men's national team, it's going to be very difficult. But uh, also... What is Anthony Robinson on the left-hand side? I mean, I don't think we're going to be seeing much of Sergio Dest on the left-hand mm -hmm. side with the emergence of Anthony Robinson. On the right-hand side, I think it's Sergio Dest's job to lose right now. Uh, but Sergio Dest is there for you for when he has the ball. He's not going to be that guy you want defending, especially not the majority of the time. It's like, you know Sergio Dest is going to be in the 11. We just don't know how he'll be used. Very interesting weeks coming up for both him and the U.S. men's national team. All right, Herc, let's run it back. Euro style will start in the Eredivisie, one of the many properties that you can watch here on ESPN+. Edson Alvarez, another goal, this time a header in Ajax's 3-0 win. Hurt over Groningen. Edson now not just a regular in the starting lineup, but a regular on the score sheet. Yeah, second goal of the season. You know what's interesting is after this goal, after this game, Edson Alvarez praising the technical staff, how, how much he's worked on his technical ability and how much they trust him now with the ball. He's no longer just a destroyer. Edson Alvarez on the up with Ajax. Champions League coming up for him and Ajax this week against Besiktas on Tuesday. Jordan Pifok, another goal for young boys. Let's make it three straight matches for Pifok with a strike hurt. My man is hot. What do you want? My man is hot. He's lethal in the box. He's so good in the air. He connects just so well off of those crosses. And he's proven to be that type of forward. We've seen this streak from him before. Keep it going, Jordan. Call him Jordan. People. He's not just hot, man. He's consistent with this. 30 combined goals and assists since joining uh, Young Boys in late 2020. He has been very, very good for them since he got into that lineup. How about a CONCACAF connection in France for Lille, Herc? Uh, Timothy Weah setting up Jonathan David for the first goal in a 2-1 win over Strasbourg. David would add a penalty later. The penalty drawn by none other than Timothy Weah. What could have been? What could have been? Uh, Jonathan David is lethal. We know this. Timothy Weah needs to play more, and he's taking advantage. Look at that. What's he got in his head? A little war wound, draws a penalty. Both plays. All Timothy Weah, Jonathan David, the benefactor. He'll take that any day. Yeah, you mentioned the... Uh... The headband there, this is from Instagram post-match. Look at that, our guy Timothy Weah. Who said the French League is easy? Don't tell Tim Weah that. Ask Messi. How about the Bundesliga? That's not easy for sure. Chris Richards, and we have to say, this is the optimum word here, credited with an assist for Hoffenheimer. Is this generous or what? 
I've seen more generous. A shut off the post comes up to a to a rebound off the teammate and they give him the assist. But this is a flick on header. Fine, I'll give him to him. I'll give him the assist. He's there. He was causing trouble. Where's John Brooks? Where's my man John Brooks? Oh, don't let it bounce in the box, John Brooks. Oh. Richards uh, and Brooks both going 90 in this game as Richards Hoffenheim beat Brooks Wolfsburg 3-1. to one. Great story here, Herka. Reese Porter, a young man, 13 years old. He's a huge Fulham fan. He's got cerebral palsy, but he still plays soccer. And one of his online videos, he received a, a bunch of bullying uh, and abuse. Now, we saw last week Tim Ream surprised him live on air. And then over the weekend, Fulham celebrated a goal with young Reese. How about that? Tim Ring gets a ton, a ton of hate online. He's 147 years old, and he's a great guy. Honestly, one of the better guys in the U.S. men's national team. I'm glad you said it, because you are always the one, Herc, who brings up Tim Ream's age on this show. He is 33, that's still young, a full five years younger than you, I will remind you. Um, but though he has been often criticized uh, on this show, what a classy, classy he is. touch. He's a classy individual. From Tim Ream. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and a great message there of support for young uh, Reese Porter, a big fan of Fulham. Uh, that game finished in a 1-1 draw, by the way, against Bristol City. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Herc, let's turn our attention to Liga MX Clásico Nacional this weekend. A scoreless draw Saturday night at Azteca between Chivas and America. Herc, you had America winning this game by three. You said take a minus two and a half last week. You said it in Vegas. You lost people money. Uh, what happened? We all lost people. We, we had a terrible time on this one, Sebi. <laughs> this was just a, wow, what a snoozer. Uh, where do we start with this, Sebi? Just one of those games. I honestly think... Chivas actually look better. Look better than they have all season. America didn't come out to play. I, I thought they'd take it by at least two and a half. Uh, the couple questionable calls here. What do you what say? Oh, you a there? couple questionable calls. That's what that's what we're gonna call it. A couple questionable calls. We're not gonna talk about Cesar Ramos missing two red cards against Chivas. Please One now. For sure. uh, the, okay, this I mean this between Ponce and Henry Martin. That's a this red. is this is not hands to the face. This is eye gouging. Yeah. This yeah. is crazy, Herc. Yeah, that, that threw me for a loop, but that's Cesar Ramos for you. But listen, America had their chances, even though Chivas, I thought, played, I don't want to say the better of the two, but played better than I've seen them all year. So, Clásico Nacional. Here's Santi Solari, the America no. manager after the match. Bueno, it's entendible que ellos salgan celebrando, ¿no? El empate como lo han hecho, porque en el segundo tiempo, realmente, el primer tiempo fue un poco más parejo. Pero el segundo tiempo lo dominamos y tuvimos las ocasiones y merecimos ganarlo. Y, y, y cada minuto que pasaba ya sobre el final, era, eh, eh, cuando encontrábamos, era prácticamente una ocasión de gol. ¿no? Entonces eh, es normal. Cuando, cuando sufres, pues bueno, que esperas que se termine el partido. Y en el caso nuestro es al revés. ¿no? Cuando, cuando dominas y, y, y llegas y, y tienes esas oportunidades, quieres que el partido se extienda. Y la sensación cuando, cuando termina es de que desde que pudiste alcanzar el resultado y no lo lograste. 
Herc Santi Solari there with the definition of a backhanded compliment, uh, saying that Chivas should indeed be celebrating their draw against America. Is he wrong? Do you agree? No, I think they should be celebrating their draw. I mean, listen, they were they're, they were ninth place before this. They're still ninth place. They've only scored eight goals. Uh, their coach just got fired. Uh, they, you talked about those two red cards they could have had. So now you end up tying a game where you could have had two players, two less players. Uh, you played probably some of your best football all year. But you just said they were the better team. They were the most dangerous team. No, they weren't the most dangerous team. They weren't the better of the team. I thought it was pretty even. I don't, I don't know what second half Santi Solari saw. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's mind games. He knows what he's doing here. But yeah, there is a cost for celebration on the Chivas side. Yeah, I'll give him that. That's about it. Certainly, uh, based on the predictions that we were making in this show last week, I think a, a scoreless draw here is a great result for Chivas. You Against mentioned the their leader. ninth. Yeah. You mentioned their ninth. That's a little bit misleading. I mean, they're, they're one no, win they're away ninth, from the top five. You look at the, you look at the standings, it says ninth. Okay, okay. But look, it's very, very dense there in the middle yeah, of the table. It is, it if, is. if they piece a run together here under Leonio, there, there is a chance. Um, it's interesting, right? Because Santi Solari here, I, I think it is a little passive-aggressive shot there. He's yeah. usually the, the, the more quiet one. Leonio, uh, even though we have a, a, a much shorter like history book on him, he is the one that seems to want to talk more. First of all, he said that, that Chivas games under him would be vibrante, would be uh, vibrant. I, I don't know that I saw that on Saturday. It's a, it's a one-point. It's great for Chivas, but vibrant? Uh, I don't think so. Not quite. He also said that this Chivas would callar bocas, would shut mouths. So, uh, based on what you saw Saturday, will this Chivas, does it have enough to callar bocas? Does it have enough to shut mouths? Because to me, Herc, that would mean not just getting into Liguilla like repechaje. That means you get into Liguilla, you make some noise, you end up in at least a semifinal. Is this Chivas for that? Probably not. But this Chivas is for playoffs. This Chivas can get into playoffs. Can they play? Can they play in a they way that's going to? playoffs or MLS playoffs now? No, no, top eight playoffs. I think this Chivas can be in top eight playoffs. If you look at the player personnel they have, if you look at if Alexis Vega is healthy, who I is think that is a tremendous noise? player. No, hold is on. Is that callando bocas? That's the thing right there. You can make playoffs, but you're not going to callar bocas, okay? Right now, your maximum rival, El Mas Odiado, America's in first place. You're mm. in ninth place. You're on the outside looking in. You just fired your coach. Ton of ton of problems, and it's not the first time this has happened. So there is no callando bocas for Chivas, <laughs> not unless they lift the title. All right, what about the other side of this heated rivalry? America, who have now won just twice, Herc, in their last five matches. There was a time when they were cruising atop the table and seemed to be the obvious pick for favorites of Liga MX. Are they still the favorites in the Mexican top flight? Not my favorites. Mm. I've been saying this for a while. If you've not been listening, I told you. Very generous calendar, very generous schedule. They uh, only played a few teams and got results versus two teams in that top eight in playoff position. The rest of the teams outside looking in. And Chivas was the first test. Now we're going to see what they're made of. Now we're going to see what's really going on. Can I read you the schedule? What's coming sure. up? Pumas. Clásico. This is after the Chivas ah, Clásico. Por favor. Okay? Pumas oh, okay. okay. Pumas Clásico. Not an easy okay. one. Pachuca always tough. San Luis Fifth place, and they got the leading goal scorer in the league, okay? Santos, Tigres, Monterrey twice, and then you close it out mm. with Cruz Azul. We're going to see what this America team is made of. Favorable mm. schedule or not, we're going to see what they really have in store. Uh, so you say America is not the favorite. Who is then your favorite? Both Regios. I'll take both Regios over. Both now. Regios. I mean... Are you serious? Rayados, I'll give you. They won four straight. Tigres? <laughs> you think anybody you're just going to throw Tigres, tigres in, in there? 
Tigres is in the same position as Chivas in the table. You're just telling me they're not for you nothing. You think anybody wants to play Tigres in the playoffs? <laughs> With Gignac playing the way he is? Well, that's Maybe. another thing. Don't let uh, him wake up. Don't let him wake up. Don't let my mans wake up. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's save that because it's coming up later here in the rundown. All right, let's, uh, let's go to some praise and some shade, Herc. Let's hand it out uh, for the weekend that was down in the Mexican League. Let's start first with praise. We'll save Tigres for a second. Atlas, fourth in the table, six matches now unbeaten after they beat Leon 2-0. Atlas is 105 years old, okay? They were a terribly run organization for the majority of their existence. Orlegi Sports, the owners of Santos Laguna, buy them. Oh, Diego yeah, your Coca, good friends. Julio Here we Forge. go. Yes, Patting my good friends. On the back. And where are they? Listen, it's been 70 years. 51, it's the 1950-51 season since they lifted a title. Could this be the year, Sebi? I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying we got to praise this team. Guadalajara, huge fan base, big city. Could I say sleeping giant? I mean, they got that kind of a fan base. They got that kind of fan base. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, you mentioned the year 1951, Herc. 1951, the last and yeah. only time uh, they won a title. They had one three straight, though, and, and one of those wins was against one of your favorites, Rayados. All right, the other team uh, in El Clásico Regio, Tigres, what's going on? Not only do they not win at home, they can't even beat Pumas. Zero, they can't even score against Pumas, Herc. 0-0 zero, zero, uh, en el Volcán. Tigres now one win in their last six at home. What is happening to your beloved team and favorites in the Mexican League? Yeah, this is uh, going on quite a bit. This is, you remember the restart after, the, or during the pandemic when everything restarts? They've played 20 home games since that moment. They've only won seven of those home games. Something is going on in Monterrey. I don't know what it is. I don't like it, but it needs to change if they are to be successful. This team in 2018 put up over 29 home games win or home wins consecutively. It's a record in Liga MX. I, Why I don't isn't Gignac scoring? Why isn't Gignac scoring? And will he snap out of right it? There. My man's got one goal and he's gonna one goal is gonna turn everything around. Don't worry about Gignac. Okay. All right, some more praise here. Speaking of goal scorers, Herman Berterame of Atletico San Luis had a couple goals over the weekend. He now sits atop the top score table in Mexico, the 22-year-old Argentine doing it big. Eight goals this season. My man played 57 games for San Luis, and he's already got half of his goals, over half of his goals this season. Eight this season, he had seven before in the previous. <laughs> it's kind of out of nowhere, right? Why do we always see this in Mexico, Herc? Why do we always see guys, even like yourself, whoa, uh, Camilo Sandeso when he came from Vancouver whoa. to Querétaro? Why do we see guys who, who we never heard of all of a sudden, bam, What do you mean you score? never heard of me or Camilo Sandeso? <laughs> I never heard of you. What are you talking sure. about? You know why? Because they're short seasons. So when you get on that streak, it's easier to keep that streak going. No, it's a brilliant point. It's a brilliant point. We do see uh, a lot of names. You've seen the trophy. At least new names. You've seen the new trophy. faces. It's in the closet. Everyone's you've seen one. it. Every yeah, we've seen it before. We've seen it before. <laughs> I remember a certain guy, Hercules Gomez. All right, so here's a look uh, at the aforementioned table. Amerigo, one point clear there uh, over Monterrey in the standings. Why don't we bring back a YGC, Herc? A you got CONCACAF mm. Estilo Liga MX. Uh, and we're going from a player outside of CONCACAF here, but Maxi Mesa of your, uh, what's the opposite of beloved? Hated Rayados. Gets like leg tackled thrown off the pitch here. Yeah, uh, that little pit, uh, that's a killer. That's an ankle have you, twister. Have you ended up in there? Yeah, I've ended up in there. there. Uh, courtesy of the Houston Dynamo, scored a goal, jumped over a sign, tried celebrating with the fans, and ended up in that little pit right there. Uh, 
Not good. Cuidado, Maxi. Don't get CONCACAF. Liga Mekis on your television screens coming up on Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Cholos against Cruz Azul. That game on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. Man, Cholos struggling, huh? 17th in the Mexican League at the moment. The good, the bad, and the ugly from Major League Soccer. Herc, let's start with the good. Columbus Crew, huge 2-1 win over the Montreal Impact. Giassi Zardes with a brace, and one of them an absolute banger. An absolute banger is an understatement. A golazo was ridiculous. He's seen it up at the right time. That's three in the last two games. Look at this left-footed finish. That's the, uh, you really gonna let me shoot this? Left-footer? All right, I'll do it. I'll try it. And it, da-na-na, da-na-na. That's SportsCenter top 10 stuff right there. Football America's top 10 stuff right there. Golazo. Hey, man. P-Fox, Zardes heating up. Greg Berhalter's got some big choices. To the bad. This is bad with a question mark, because I think we like this. The rivalry we got brewing between Philly and Atlanta. We had plenty of pushing and shoving in Philly's 1-0 win uh, on Saturday. Of course, remember earlier this year, the back and forth between Jim Curtin and Gabriela Heinze, who is no longer with Atlanta United. Herc, what do you think? And we have some back and forth on social media Ouch. as well. Philadelphia Ouch. Union coming for you, admin. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that, that Gabriel Heinz here, Jim Curtin stuff at the beginning of the season was mm -hmm. fun, but we've actually seen these two in playoffs go out, and now we're seeing them really take this uh, rivalry up a notch. You saw Martinez and Barco there. Listen, two teams that have won as of late, that are mm -hmm. used to winning, that don't like playing each other, and I don't mind the little hostility there from Barco and Martinez. I think it's a, a perfect rivalry on a few levels, Herc. One, I think they're polar opposites, right? Opposites make yeah. good rivalries. Philadelphia very much the, the model. versus cartera. Así es. Así es. So, no, I mean, it's like perfect. Philly, you, you got your kids. Play the kids. Lean on the academy. Atlanta does have a, a pretty good academy. We, we should say that. But... They're a team that's not afraid to spend. They are not afraid to go down into South America, spend millions and millions of dollars on talented players. And when you have two different styles like that, I think it makes for a more intense rivalry. The other thing here is Atlanta needs a rival, man. Atlanta's come into the league. They've been desperate. The Florida Whoa. teams the Florida Whoa. teams have not delivered. Nashville has not delivered. Maybe Whoa. Charlotte. Maybe Charlotte will have deliver. Have some respect for Orlando. Thank you, Philly, for stepping have up. Have some thank respect you, Philly. for Orlando, oh, Salazar. That's not, an, that's not a rivalry. Get out of here. Get out of here with the that. Unacceptable. to Orlando. Nani, perdónalo. <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right, to the ugly. Now, and this can only be one team, FC Cincinnati. They have fired Yapstown. That happening early Monday after he won, Herc. Just eight of 48 games in charge of FC Cincinnati. He is the sixth MLS coach to go this season. You surprised? No, I mean, he had four wins this year. One win in the last 16, 48 goals against. One of the worst-run franchises in all of Major League Soccer. This isn't all on job stamp. This isn't okay. all on job stamp. Somebody, Dennis DeClose's number, get it. Call him. He's, he's out of contract after this season for the Galaxy. Do something, Cincinnati. Help your people. 48 goals allowed. Only a TFC worse, Herc, as we're seeing there on the stats. And remember that game against New York City FC where they gave up five goals? Yeah. All five of them off of set pieces. That's, That's what right. Yabstam, in theory, in theory, should have had them doing well. Wow. Uh, and instead, the defensive legend could never really get FC Cincinnati sorted. Still, three years in MLS, three coaches. I think this runs much deeper than the manager. But speaking of Yapstam, he is yet another 
relatively big name foreign coach who has come to MLS, Herc, and struggled. And in our production meeting earlier today, that got us thinking, who are some of the, the biggest names from outside the United States to come to MLS and struggle? So we're putting together then our top five worst foreign managers in Major League Soccer history. Herc, we came up with some names. Let's start at number five, Thierry Henry with the Montreal Impact. Herc, this one seems kind of harsh. Shut up, Thierry Henry. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> and listen, he only won 31% of the games. 29 games, only 31% of those games he won. His team finished, I mean, ninth out of 14th in the, in, in the Eastern Conference. They made the playoffs. Overall. They made the playoffs as one full year. You know how many teams make the playoffs. And then, and then he cites family reasons for him leaving, and we see him in the mix from that Burnmouth job. So... He ends up leaving Major League Soccer. I didn't want to put Thierry on, Henry on this, but what am I going to say, man? Shout yeah, I mean, look, he, he left he left Montreal at the worst time possible, yeah. right before the season. I think maybe that, if anything here, we're saying what could have been with Thierry yeah. Henry because he seemed to have Montreal at least uh, turning a corner. All right, let's go number four. This is, we're getting in a way back machine now. Carlos Alberto Pereira of Brazil. He won the 1994 World Cup with Brazil. Then in 1997, three years later, Herc comes to the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars and finishes dead last in the Eastern Conference. Not only did he finish dead last in the Eastern Conference, uh, my man got a bid from Saudi Arabia, the national team, and he was like, oh, uh, this is just too good to pass up. Do I stay here in last place as a Metro star or do I go make some money with Saudi Arabia? And uh, mm -hmm. my man left. It was at the uh, draw for the 1998 World Cup. He famously got a big multi-million dollar offer and that was it. Carlos Alberto Pereira off from his days and brief tenure in MLS. Number three, ooh, a name that'll be familiar to Liga MX fans, Hans Westerhoff, who was both the sporting director and head coach of Chivas before the Dutchman eventually took over Chivas USA. One of the worst teams I have ever played against at any level was the Chivas USA 2005-2006 team. Hans Westerhoff, a big component in that team. We played them like five times. We scored mm. over 25 goals against them when I was with the Galaxy. It was one of those type of rivalries. And Hans Westerhoff, well, he had a rough go at it with Chivas USA. We're going old school with some of these names. There's some, there's some more current names who are escaping, uh, escaping this segment. Number two, Bora Milutinovic with the Metro Stars in 1999. He managed them for 33 games. Herc, he lost 25, the former Mexico and U.S. But he national won seven. team manager. My man won seven, and then they left the team to his friend, our friend, the now departed Fernando Clavijo. May he rest in peace. But Bora was a legend, man. He was a mm -hmm. legend. This is his type of star power Not in MLS. and money. Well, type of, type of star power Major League Soccer went for back in the day. All right, so we are worked our way to number one. This is the worst foreign coach in MLS history. We are going with none other than, I guess this is, is this recency factor? Recency bias, Herc? Gabriel Heinze no. of Atlanta United, who lasted months and left the team amid investigation into his treatment of players. How is this recency bias? The man had a player revolt. He ostracized mm. the most famous person in an Atlanta United uniform, King Joseph Martinez, put the world against him, was about to get sued by Major League Soccer, the Players Association, and this is recency bias? Seriously? Nah, Team Curtain. Team Curtain here, mm. buddy. Okay, look, there's some names that, that got off scot-free. I'm just going to throw them out there. Go ahead. Uh, Frank DeBoer yes. did more than Gabriel Heinz in Atlanta, but I, I think we can say it ended badly. Though you, if you look at the numbers, you really can't put DeBoer in, in this conversation. Okay. The other three names, 
Aaron Vinter, that was a disaster. <laughs> I love playing against FC. those teams. It was, it was a while ago. Uh, Owen Coyle, who went from the Premier League Ooh. to the Houston Dynamo. Well, exactly, exactly, never worked out. And your beloved Chelis with Chivas USA. Take that How back. Come Take that back. <laughs> I need that stricken from the record, please. Can no. somebody give this man a chill pill? You really going to put Chelis on here? He was a breath of fresh air in Major League Soccer. Yeah, right. When no one had heard of the 3-5-2 and when no one had practiced it, he was the first to do it in, uh, in MLS. And Herc, it did not go well, if memory serves, for Chivas USA. In case you missed it, Sebastian Giovinco, yes, the Atomic Ant and TFC have reportedly a deal in principle. Herc, what do you make? The return of Giovinco oh to Toronto. Oh my God, I'm so torn. This should have never gone any other way but him ending his career in a Toronto jersey. Never should have left. One of the best players in Major League Soccer's history. Honestly, one of the greatest signings ever. I played alongside him. It's special to watch what this man can do. But now in his mid-30s, I don't know. Mm. He was sold to uh, Al-Hilal in Saudi Arabia in 2019. He comes back at 34 years old. MLS on your screen Sunday on ESPN, ESPN Deportes. We got El Tráfico, LA Galaxy against LAFC. Perk, of course, uh, last week on the show, plenty of discussion of League's Cup. Most of it positive, but uh, not everybody a fan of the new tournament coming in 2023. Florian Youngberth of Vancouver had this to say. Well, first of all, he called it a, an interesting tournament, but here's the, the money quote. The guys who pay the money, they say we have to take it, but they don't give a blank about our health. Herc, is he wrong? Yeah, not really. He's also not entirely right. I mean, Florian Youngberth, my man's German, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can play upwards of over 60 matches in Europe. Hey, let's, let's count them. 34 regular season games here. Let's just say you're in the CCL. Let's give you an average of eight games because that's what the average Major League Soccer team may end up playing. Not for Vancouver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what the average Major League Soccer team may play in CCL. Add another eight. Let's add another three if you're in a League's Cup. Okay, 45-ish. Will you ever go over that? How about if you have national team players? Will they ever really be over 50? Will you ever really have the majority of players playing over 50 games? And here is a European player coming to Major League Soccer and crying about the schedule. Listen, you want more money? Players all the time talk about wanting more money, more resources. Mm. Well, this is part of the gig. Now, excuse me if you have to play some midweek games. Excuse me if you have to take your chartered flight to go play in Seattle, okay, from Vancouver. Apologies. When I was a boy, we didn't have charter flights. Here's the old man screaming off his porch uh, at the kids. What I will say here, Herc, is that I think there's there's some truth to what Younger says. Not only do the, the owners maybe not care so much about, about the players themselves and their health. They don't. I, I also think they don't really care about the development of the players. Let's talk about this, and we didn't really discuss this in League's Cup discussion last week. You got already like a four-month off-season in Major League Soccer. What if you're Vancouver? You're not very good. You go out early in this League's Cup in the middle of what's a month break in the season out. Are we talking about five months of off-season? Can you really be a professional player if you got five months well, of an off-season? you don't have to worry about that anymore with the League's Cup because that's going to add to that schedule, so you're going to see shorter Not if you go out early. Not if you go out early. And if you don't make the playoffs, and you're looking the at, at seven months of playing, uh, okay. of playing soccer and five Fine, months Seth. of not playing we, it. Let's, let's flip the coin on that. What do we always say about young American players, young Mexican players, young CONCACAF players going and playing abroad? Well, there's so many cup games, so you get an opportunity to play. How about that side of the development? All right. Well, lots uh, to look forward to. 
Maybe also lots to worry about when the uh, League's Cup does finally expand in 2023. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Mark, time to turn our attention to the National Women's Soccer League, where this weekend we saw players across the league wearing T-shirts with the slogan, No More Side Hustles, a nod to the NWSL Players Association campaign that aims to raise awareness of the fact that many players in the NWSL have to work second and third jobs to support themselves. According to the NWSL PA, nearly a third of the players in the league are on the league minimum, which we know to be less than $30,000. For more perspective on this, we welcome into Football Americas the one and only Julie Foudy, World Cup and Olympic champion with the U.S women's national team. All right, Julie, so I was reading an article on this maybe a month ago in the Washington Post. The author, Candace Buckner, pointed to the specific case of Kristen Hamilton of the team in Kansas City. Mm. Right? She's been in this league since 2014, a three-time league champion, and yet still in the offseason, she's delivering DoorDash. Dash, she had to get her mom to co-sign mm. on a home loan. That's the reality for these players, not just rookies, but established players. How important is this, not just for the NWSL, Julie, but for the future of women's soccer that this change? I, I think it's huge. I think it's, it's a much-needed conversation that they're bringing to light because this is the reality of women's professional sports to, still in this day. I mean, we're, what, a decade into the NWSL, and we're still talking about that many players having to have not just one job, they're also coaching on the side. So maybe you do DoorDash, maybe you're an Uber driver. Jessica McDonald talks about the fact that she would work at Amazon for 10 hours and then she would go to practice and then she was a mom as well. She'd go back to her son. So it's hard. It's really hard for these players. And they want this to be a conversation starter about, come on, we're, we're almost a decade into this. Shouldn't we be treating our players in a better manner so that they can actually stay in the game? And, and it's a hard argument to make. We'll get into the details of that uh, in terms of the ownership side of it and what they're saying. But I think it's a necessary conversation. It shouldn't be this hard for these female athletes. You know, Julie, this bring back, brings back memories of me practically living out of my car, making $860 gross to play for the LA Galaxy back in the day here in California. A lot of side hustles. Mm -hmm. It got me thinking, I'm sure you and many of your teammates experienced the same. Any stories you could share of what it was like back in the day? <laughs> you want to go all the way back there, Herc, huh? <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it was the reality of our lives for sure. And 
you know, you had players mostly trying to coach their way through and do private lessons and clinics. I waited tables on the side. I mean, the challenge, of course, is when you get to the national team level, and back in the day when we weren't making any money at that level either, you couldn't hold another job because you were on the road so much. And if you're playing professional soccer, it's hard to hold another job. You can't be a teacher. You can't have a real full-time job because of all the travel that's associated with being a professional athlete. And so what we had to do back in the day is that side hustle became your main hustle and you had to quit playing hmm. soccer. And so what I think these players are trying to say is, hey, let's not lose a whole generation of players because they're going on to Google and tech firms and bigger jobs that pay a lot more money. And that's the reality is you're losing so many players because of that. Okay, no more side hustles. Let's end this. Uh, what has to change? I mean, when realistically can we see this ending? When will the money be there? Well, and that, that is, that's the factor, right? When will the money be there? And when are owners willing to lose more to eventually make more. And I think right now what we're seeing is this tipping point. And hopefully you get to a point where in women's sports and women's professional sports, you have an ownership base that says, okay, yes, we are willing to put that money in and we have deeper pockets to do so. And we're willing to lose because that's what they are going to do up front. And that's what we've seen for years in and decades with men's professional sports is they're takes a lot of time for them to actually turn that corner and make money on the ownership side. But I do think the appetite for ownership, and especially as you're seeing with Angel City, I have to give our, our, little, our little team a plug, there is an appetite and hopefully uh, an investment uh, reach and capacity that means that we're willing to take more losses because we think the end game is going to bring a return. And it's not going to be maybe in five years and it's not going to be maybe in 10 years, but that we're willing to stay in it for the long haul. And so I think these conversations need to start happening, not just across soccer, but across all women's sports to say, how can we create an environment? And of course, they're not going to be making millions like the men are because the revenue isn't there yet. But how can we be creating an environment that's professional and is, is enticing to young girls to come play professionally where they're not having to do side hustles? Probably worth noting here, we're reportedly in the final stages of negotiations between the league and the NWSL Players Association on the next CBA, so obviously we'll keep an eye on this moving forward. Julie, before we let you out of here, i got to ask you about my beloved Washington spirit. Ooh. You know, I'm D.C. through and through, but it's a team that's gone through a, a really tough time. we got a, a coach fired over treatment of players. We've got supporters groups asking for the owner, uh, Steve Baldwin, to sell the team. And then one of his other owners, Y. Michelle Kang, through the Washington Post, really this public back and forth. Uh, what is the end product here? Like, kind of how do we get out of this? How does the spirit save itself? What should be done? Yeah, I actually have been thinking about you, Sevi, <laughs> with all the mess that's happening there. I mean, I think it starts from the top, like you just said, between Steve Baldwin and Y. Michelle Kang. I mean, that ownership group um, has brought in new investors and fresh life and fresh investment. And for them not to be able to get that right and resolve that means that mm. everything just trickles down and you lose staff, you're losing coaches, um, it's getting messy. I mean, there's investigations going on. And so I think those two at the top between Baldwin and Kang have to sort things out. And whether it's one gets out or Baldwin sells his share of it, but there has to be some resolution there because right now, I mean, it, it, you know, you're losing fans, you're losing support. I can't even imagine how frustrating that must be for the players. So that needs to get settled from the top down, in my opinion.
And we haven't even discussed the COVID-19 protocol uh, violations and the outbreak there that led to the forfeits uh. Uh, for the Washington spirit as well. So tough times indeed in the nation's capital. Never a tough time here, though, on Football Americas when Julie Foudy joins us. Julie, we looked at, forward to having you back on the show very, very soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Thanks, guys. Perk, remember our You Got CONCACAF last week with Ronnie Brunswick. Oh, we have some yes. more uh, developments here on that story. The vice president of Suriname and uh, one of the owners there of Intermongo Tapo, of course, uh, starting in the game against Olympia last week. Then there was the video post-match that surfaced of uh, Brunswick in the dressing room for Olympia, handing out what appeared to be money. CONCACAF in a statement has said they found, quote, serious breaches of integrity rules, end quote. Uh, both teams, Inter Mongo Tapo and Olympia, are out of the CONCACAF League, and Brunswick, her, Brunswick is banned for three years. Three years. Well, that's is that a fair? shocker. Wait, suspended both teams and he's banned for three years? Shocker. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it a lifetime, a lifetime, excuse me, lifetime ban? I, I don't get CONCACAF. I mean, this is... Yeah. If it's match fixing, what happened to the El Salvadorian players? 13 of them were given lifetime bans. Why not yep. here? Well, we're just waiting for the comeback for 64-year-old uh, Ronnie Brunswick to, uh, to join us in a few years in whatever CONCACAF Champions League, CONCACAF League, whatever we are calling it then. All right, Herc, uh, you and I have some travel coming this week. We are headed to Columbus for the Campeones Cup, the showdown between the champion of Major League Soccer, Columbus Crew, and the champions of Liga MX, Cruz Azul. So let's book it. Let's try and make folks back some of that money that we lost them last week with our Clásico Nacional mm. picks. Who are you taking in this game between champions of the United States and Mexico? Yeah, uh, listen very closely. Uh, mm -hmm, if you want, mm -hmm. you can zoom in and, and just read the words that are coming out of my mouth because it's going to be the winner. Cruz Azul! <laughs> It's that easy. They're the more talented team, Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul, who, by mm -hmm. the way, just got Jesus Corona back. Cruz Azul, who's got more talent on the field. Rested Cabecita Rodriguez. Rested Santi Jimenez. Alvarado didn't play that much in the last game. They're just a deeper team. Yotun was red-carded, so he's going to be fresh for this game. Rafa Vaca, I mean, Pacerini, Martinez, Angulo, Pineda, Rivero. Who do you want me to keep going? I can keep going because Romo, did I mention Luis Romo MVP last season? They're just a much deeper team, and they may have a few problems here and there this season in Liga Mekis, but because they haven't had their first 11 group out, that's the mm. reason. I think this is just too strong of a lineup, too strong of a team, more talent. Wow. Pure excuses. What happened to the Campeonitis, all this and that, Cruz Azul is struggling. That was the narrative on this show a couple of weeks ago. I guess now, Are you no talking problems. about Columbus or Cruz Azul? 
Look, I, I cannot agree with you. It's the whole principle of this show, so I'm not going to pick Cruz Azul. They're the obvious favorite, the obvious favorite, but I'm swinging for a home run here. I'm going to take the Columbus crew at lower.com field, and I'm going to take them dos a cero, Herc. I think there's some, some, some ghosts of uh, U.S. versus Mexico soccer that still exists there in Columbus. Somehow, someway, the crew who, yes, are fighting uh, for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, I think are going to get this thing done. Did you see the performance from Jesse Zardes in I the did. good, from the good, bad, and the ugly? I did. He's red got, hot right now. They've got a must-win game on the weekend against Philly on the road. They're, they're winless in six on the road. Are you telling me they're swinging for the fences and not going to go... Uh, in this game versus Cruz Azul, is that what Caleb Porter's good? Caleb, I've never gone to the postseason twice in a row. Porter, is that what, is that what you're telling me? I'm just saying there's a trophy that we won at home. I think you're sleeping on Columbus. I think you're disrespecting a little bit. I'm not. No. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. I'm just picking the winner. We'll find out. We'll find out in a couple days, that's for sure. Herc, you and I will be in Columbus along with Alejandro Moreno. We will be running the pregame chat there leading up to the call of the game. You'll have John Champion, Taylor Twelman, and Melissa Ortiz on that. That is Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, streaming live on the ESPN app, the Campeones Cup, Columbus against Cruz Azul. All right, time for our parting shots, Herc. Uh, look, I know you like to watch your American football from time to time and yes. make comparisons. Of course. Aaron Rodgers is the Carlos Vela of his generation. I would love to know. I would love to know what point you were trying to make here. I was trying to catch a fish, and I caught myself a marlin. Sebastian Salazar bit. Seven, you see the, the asterisk. I'll see myself out. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask you. What, what do Carlos Vela and Aaron Rodgers have in this common? Tweet? Please tell me what, what did you get Tell me what Aaron Rodgers, who is indisputably one of the greatest to ever play his position most in talented. the history Nobody of his Nobody says he's sport, the greatest. Everybody says he's the most talented. Talent is subjective. Let's talk about stats. Let's talk about numbers. Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great. Stop exaggerating what Carlos Vela is. Please. Please. <laughs> Carlos Vela, the Aaron Rodgers oh, of his generation. I got a Marlin. Who got me a Marlin? By the way, I love, I love that shirt. Did you take your mother's tablecloth? I know. Yeah. They're, they're eating on the, on the wooden table back home at Casa Salazar uh, today. Hey, uh, plenty coming on Thursday's show. Of course, we'll be looking ahead to El Tráfico, LAFC, and the LA Galaxy are out there in LA. Plus, we got Chris uh, Richards, who we're going to get an interview with. And, of course, you can check that all out on the latest edition of the Football Américas podcast right there wherever you download your pods in the ESPN FC feed. All right, that's it for this edition of the show. For Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching, and we will see you right back here Get lost, on Salazar. Thursday.